a what up long beach for the last time this year this is the lb fee show giving you everything long beach state athletics long beach state where conference cup champions live we are the 562.org we host this show every other week we'll be joined by andy fee in just a second i am jj fiddler I'm Mike Gardabasio, and we've got a very special guest, longtime Long Beach State track and field legendary coach, Andy Scythe, on the program. He is uh, packing his bags to get ready to go up to Eugene for the NCAA track and field finals with Jason Smith, uh, one of our favorites uh, in that program who's been on this show before. Uh, but before we get to that, Andy, we've got to bring on this Andy, Andy Fee, Long Beach State AD. Uh, Andy, welcome to the show, and congratulations on the first Commissioner's Cup at Long Beach State since 2017. Uh, that is a, that's a nice accomplishment, congrats. Thank you, it was a, a challenging year and a great year nonetheless. And um, also glad to give our listeners a full dose of Andy, as you mentioned today. So it's, it's the Andy show. <laughs> it's the Andy show, so watch out. Yeah, it is interesting that uh, they do this Commissioner's Cup you know, it's basically giving to the a program that has gone beyond and beyond uh, everywhere, right? It's not just one team, one sport, whatever. It's overall excellence. So how did you guys do it? Yeah, I, I love the Commissioner's Cup and everywhere that I've been, I've always thought of it as a, a really critical piece of what is, what is your athletic department? What is the culture? What is it about? What does it stand for? And for us, we believe in comprehensive excellence, meaning that it's not just, well, we've got a good basketball team and everybody else struggles, but hey, basketball is great. I, I always think those things are not mutually exclusive, meaning that you can be good across the board. And so that's a challenge uh, because you, you've got 19 sports and you've got to figure out a way to provide resources and, and figure out how to allocate and, and make sure everybody's got what they need. But you know, thanks to, you know, a great community and, and, and fan and, and donor base boosters, uh, campus administration, we've been able to position ourselves. And, you know, I, I really felt, you know, if, if in a world where I'm sitting here, what if, uh, what if there was no COVID, I think we probably would have had a better chance maybe last year and the year before to be right where we are today. But we are where we are today because of a lot of sweat equity and grit and resilience. Well, I want to just take a moment here, um, Andy, and I'm not just doing this because it's the season finale and we're hoping to be picked up for season six of the LBF show, but I want to take a moment and, and just kind of compliment you because, um, you know, JJ covers and has covered for 20 years, the men's basketball team, the Dirtbags, sort of the two programs that are the biggest, you know, front facing things at the university. I cover the men's and women's volleyball team um the <laughs> the women's basketball team the programs that um don't necessarily get the most love and i would say from my perspective and i hear this from coaches all over the school you've really walked the walk on not just being about hey we're a mid-major program we got to go all in on men's basketball and best of luck to the rest of you guys <laughs> you know you guys that you and and president uh, Connolly have made investments that you know, the, the power five schools didn't make in men in volleyball to get the floor, right. That we talked about um, how, like, what is it? Like the reason I want to bring this up and ask you about it is um, the previous athletic director was huge on men's basketball. And he, and I actually, even though I prefer seeing a more well-rounded uh, department, he has a point, right. That men's basketball is for most mid majors, the way you're going to get the biggest sort of pop among your area or among the national scene, just because there's so many more people paying attention to mid-majors in that sport. 
So what is it about your philosophy? Is it an internal thing for you or just you think it's healthier for the campus? Like, why do you come in and go, I really want to place well in water polo and track and sports that, you know, men's volleyball, sports that don't usually necessarily get that much attention from an AD at other universities? Yeah, so I, 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 great question. And my answer would be, I certainly want our basketball teams, men's and women to, to get as far as they can. As you said, there's a huge amount of exposure there. And so, so that is a goal. Of course. Um, you know, but having said that, like getting back to my, you know, it's not mutually exclusive. I do think being competitive in some of the other sports or other 17, if you want to call it that, the difference between maybe I hate to use the phrase, but I will use it good and great isn't that much. Meaning that if, you know, if we were able to offer additional scholarship in track and field, we're not at the full allotment of 18. Um, but if we're building towards that, that goes such a long way. Meaning even the smallest investment in some of those sports can actually give you a bigger return than maybe basketball. If I'm just making this up, this is not a real world. Yeah, yeah. Scenario, but let's say, you know, you two are like, Andy, we're going to give you 250 grand and we want to go to basketball. Yes. Let's live in help. this fantasy. Hold on. I need to, let's all take it. Right? Deep and live I, I in mean, this you guys got that kind of yeah. coin. Absolutely. Right? I'm kind of setting you yeah. guys up right now. But, <laughs> yeah. If you but, renew uh, us for another 400 years of the podcast, we're set. Right. Any sure. now checks in the mail, right? <laughs> Uh, but, but, and, and if you guys did I, to any donor listening out there, if they gave us $250,000 today for men's or women's basketball, it will help. It will make a difference. It will make life better, Yeah. but to, to really jump would require significant investment. So if we were like, we want to swim in the water that Gonzaga is swimming in today. Now we can, oh, we can use that Long Beach state motto, right? We overachieve, we do more with less. And yes, yeah. we do do that. But to really get into that picture in basketball, it would require significant annual investment. I mean, I'm talking to really say that you have a chance to be in that world. I'm not talking about the Cinderella story. Yeah, I'm talking right. about a program that consistently, maybe an Elite Eight program, um, even a Sweet 16, but definitely an Elite Eight would require easily another million dollars a year to get at all minimum, things, right? At minimum. You know, just, to, to recruit athletes that, you know, we're saying, hey, we, we fly on charters just like Gonzaga does. We do all these things like Gonzaga yeah. does. So that's a lot of money. But I would say if a person gave us a million dollars and said, how could you improve your Olympic sports? That million dollars would have immediate and substantial impact. So it's not as though we don't want to fund and we, we've increased spending in basketball along the way ever since I've been here. But the reality is this, where can we be competitive on a national level? And, and I mean, a consistent level. I'm not just talking about like St. Peter's one year again makes, that is awesome. We would love to do it. But yeah. if we're sitting here saying, where do we want to do and what do we accomplish every, every single year is comprehensive excellence. Meaning we do want to win in basketball. We had, you know, first place men, third place women. Obviously we want first and first, we want to get to the tournaments and, and, and all that, but what else do we want to do? Where else can we win? I want to win. I am super competitive. I hate losing. Trust me. It, it, <laughs> many a sleepless night because of losing. So I want to win. So if we invest in these other sports, so to speak, I'm using the air quotes here, these 17 yeah. other sports, we can actually take you know a $50,000 gift and add that to women's tennis, or we add that to men's golf, it goes a long way. So I just believe that they are not mutually exclusive. 
yeah. that we can be competitive in basketball, both basketballs, baseball, and our other sports. And I just think, why limit yourself? You know, I just, I, I don't like preconceived notions of, well, we should just be happy to be a basketball school. I, I don't, I don't buy that. It, it, is, it is interesting, and this is just the last follow-up I would make on that. It, it's, it's almost like um, I just read uh, Sprawl Ball by Kurt Goldsbury, which is like a very self-conscious attempt to be basketball's uh, Moneyball by Michael Lewis. And you're kind of describing that same type of a Moneyball approach of like, hey, the greatest efficiency here is we know that a lot of schools are ignoring these sports. You know, they're not putting as much money into a men's volleyball or a track and field such that this investment goes further there in part because, you know, as you mentioned, to compete in men's basketball, that's a really big money sport, but also because that is where a lot of people are kind of throwing all of their resources such that you're also gaining more relative to the competition by investing in those Olympic sports. A hundred percent. I mean, I would love, and if there's a listener out there ready to give us millions of dollars, I'm happy to invest that into, into the basketball. No, whatever program. they want. A hundred percent. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. I'm not sitting here. I would love to do it. And we're going to, regardless of that happening, we're going to continue to push an investment into the basketball programs. But as you said, I, it's a great analogy. It's a money ball situation. It's where can you get the biggest return on investment? And it's meaningful when we hang up huge banners on a parking structure about men's volleyball national championships or you know, a huge banner on the parking structure that announces, you know, we're commissioner cups champs. That's a big deal. It's people's perception of what, of what you are. If people say, well, what's Long Beach State about winning? You know, that's what, I mean, yeah, I want to talk about the individual sports, but if someone just gave a 30 second, what is Long Beach State about winning, winning in the classroom in the field of competition? Well, the beach certainly won with uh, emphasis, 141.3 points total which is the highest tally for a, for a school in the 22-year history. And Long Beach State is actually the only program to reach over 140 points twice. Did it in 2011-12, did it this year. So big shouts to everybody involved. But it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have happened without the Dirtbags sweeping UC Davis on the road to finish the season. Dirtbags finished the season winning 13 of their last 16 games and finished fifth. Those points of the, for that fifth place finish is what bumped Long Beach State above Hawaii. Got a shout out Rocco Pepe, named Big Westfield Player of the Week. Uh, it's actually his second this season for the redshirt freshman. He had a hit in all three games. He slugged 833, and uh, three of his hits were for extra bases. Rocco Pepe, just another reason to be really excited about Dirtbags baseball, Andy. Uh, a lot of youth movement this year, and they all looked pretty good at coming down the stretch. Yeah, definitely proud of them. And, and, and we talk about life's lessons a lot. And I know people probably roll their eyes. Maybe when we talk about these things, but we, we talk about it all the time. And we actually talked to the baseball program about what the situation was related to the commissioner's cup. Obviously this year has been disappointing from what we expect um, and what we want the players, everybody wants more and to not be in that position is extremely disappointing. And there's two ways to look at it and go, well, uh, so what? Let's just ride it out, figure it out. Just whatever happens, happens. Maybe we win, maybe we lose. But we talked to them about, you know, in life, you're always playing for something. You know, obviously, it would be great for them to have gone to the last weekend playing for a Big West, you know, championship. That was not the case. However, they were playing for something, something bigger than them. They were playing for 18 other sports because it takes all 19. But the reality is here's a team that could have mailed it in and been like, whatever, the years just stinks and we just want to get it over with and get out of here. 
Well, they didn't do that. They fought and fought and fought and we talked to them and they were aware of the situation um, going into the final two weekends, to be honest, of where things stood and, and what it meant. And I think it actually picked them up that it gave them a little something to play for. I mean, honestly, it's tough to play when you're out of it. I mean, other than pride and for the love of the game, uh, but when you get to play for your teammates and their teammates extend beyond the 35 guys on the baseball roster, it goes to the 400, close to 400 student athletes that are their teammates. So um, I think it was a great lesson for them that, you know, you always have to fight. You're always playing for something, even though you may not realize it, but you are. I was watching that. a couple of the college baseball conference championships and it got us thinking, why not the big West? Why does the big West not have a baseball conference championship? Got to be honest with you. If they did, the dirtbags might be the favorite with how hot they are right now. Yeah. And that is a topic on the table um, for discussion. And we're actually going to be talking about that in the next week or so um, as an athletic director group. And you're right. I mean, I even looked to last year, think about that. I think we won 17 of our last 20, probably one of the hottest teams in the country coming in at a close. We end up in third place behind Irvine and uh, Santa Barbara, Santa Barbara in first Irvine in second, I believe. And if there had been a tournament last year, for sure, I think we would have been in the mix and probably even who knows, maybe a win or two, not even having to win last year, the championship game might've, might've gotten us in this year, probably had to win the championship, but I think capable of that. So I think we're definitely looking forward um, to those discussions. I know I am and other athletic directors around a baseball tournament and potentially some other tournaments as well. It could be softball, could be women's volleyball. I think everything is on the table now. The goal just to, so listeners out there think about like, what is the big West about as a larger organization? We've been talking about that. And in 2019, uh, we came up with some principles and core values as to, to what, what are we trying to do as a conference, not just the individual schools, but as a conference. And the number one thing is to get the best and most teams into the postseason. So I think your question about tournaments is a really timely one. Yeah, I saw Dave Serrano well, tweeting about it. And if it, once once Dave gets going about it, it's like, you know, we gotta we, we we gotta take a look here and figure this out for sure. If the news breaks, you know where to find it. It's gonna be at the 562.org, all of your Long Beach sports coverage. All right, we now welcome on our special guest, longtime legendary coach of the Long Beach State Track and Field Program, Andy Scythe. Andy, I feel like we uh, uh, we wrap up every school year talking to you because you guys are always the last one standing, or in this case, jumping, with Jason Smith <laughs> getting through in two events to the NCAA Finals. How are you doing, and, uh, and, and how crazy has the last couple of weeks been for you guys? Well, it's been, uh, I'm doing well, thanks. You know, we're always doing well when we're, when we're advancing our kids on to the, to the next level or when we're winning conference championships. And, and so, yes, uh, with the success comes a lot of uh, additional work and travel. Uh, we just got back from University of Arkansas and where we spent a week and we're really glad to be back home. And then we're going to turn around and leave for Oregon. So uh, this is the kind of uh, um thing that you know you earn and so you look at it as a positive it's a, it's good problems uh coach obviously being back has got to feel really good does it feel different after you know a couple of years where things kind of felt weird um it feels normal it really does right now and and that's a good thing um you know for the athletes i think it probably feels the same for them we're we're kind of back into you know, we got to manage and monitor some things. We've got to take a look at what we're doing when we fly on planes, you know, uh, protecting ourselves. 
Um, but outside of that, with the meat and, and the level of competition, I feel like things only got harder. I mean, really, to get to the national championships at this point is much more difficult than it's been in the past. So um, I guess the time away uh, helped the sport. Um, you've got a picture of the beautiful new Hayward Field facility that they've got up at uh, uh, up at uh, in Eugene as your background picture here. Um, I got a chance. Tyler and I were up covering um, covering you guys a few years ago at the old Hayward, the last one before they they knocked it down. The new one looks like a. I mean, it looks bigger than an Olympic facility. It's a, how cool is it to get to have an NCAA finals at a, a truly a world class facility like that? There's no question. This is the this is the this is the level that anybody would want to get to beyond college. I mean, this is finer than anything that we've uh, have in the United States. It's the location of the World Championships this summer, um, and there's just not a better facility to compete on. I mean, I'm real proud of ours, and ours is the second best facility in the West. That's right. I like uh, that. Yes, but it that's may right. not be uh, <laughs> the comparison that we're looking at uh, here. <laughs> Um, Andy and I will get to work on trying to compete with this, uh, in a later conversation, right? Absolutely. Uh, but no, it's, uh, it's pretty special. And that's why we went there for the Hayward preview this year, uh, in, in early April. Um, so we can uh, see what we're working towards and, and it really is special. Coach, obviously Jason Smith doing, uh, some special things, leaving his name all over the history books. Are you at all surprised by his success or is this something you saw coming when he came to campus? Oh, when he started here, I'm not sure we envisioned, um, you know, the multiple level of uh, success with him. I mean, he was a long jumper and that's what he did and that's what he specialized in. And so we we were setting ourselves up for that kind of success uh, in the long jump. Um, the people before him, the Kamani Briggs, the Willie Alexanders, um, they were all part of that culture that we were trying to continue to breed and build upon. And Jason uh, came in and, and stepped into those roles right after those guys left. He was right there, you know, mixing it up. And, and uh, but then we started tinkering and we started tinkering with high jump and introduced that. And we had some success in the triple jump. You know, he qualified for regionals um, and high jump and long jump his sophomore, junior and senior years. But we've never attacked the triple jump. The triple jump has been that thing that we've avoided doing because of the amount of um, uh, jarring, you know, on his body. Um, and so, you know, this year with the high jump kind of being a little bit off, uh, not being, uh, you know, spot on like it's been in the past, um, we said, let's, let's explore this triple jump thing one more time. I think you can get to the nationals and do something at that level. Uh, so we opened him up for his first meet at conference and that's where he qualified. And then this last week, um, you know, he went 17 inches beyond his PR from the conference meet and uh, in the advance to the NCAA championship. So we were kind of hoped we would be there in all three. Uh, we came close. Um, but this is this is something that I can tell you right now. Um, don't rule out any possibilities with Jason uh, in the triple jump. You know, we have our goals in the long jump. We still want to do some big things there. But that triple jump, it has a lot of potential. And just to give a little bit of background for people who are uh, not following track and field as closely as we do, Jason Smith, redshirt senior, has been there since since 2017, which feels like about 
15 years ago at right. this point. Uh, currently the school record holder uh, in the outdoor and indoor long jumps and is top 10 in every kind of jump uh, in school history uh, with a chance to make some more history this weekend. What is it about, um, you know, obviously you're, the, the field events especially are such a weird blend of natural talent and then super, super refined technical skill. What is it about a jumper that is sort of different from any other kind of athlete? You know, what kind of athleticism do you see in a kid when he's 16, 17, 18 years old and go, this guy could end up, you know, in the record books at our school? Well, well, with Jason, um, it was his passion. You know, it, he had a good mark in high school. It was a wind-aided mark, but it showed some potential. And so uh, we pursued that. And, and he had some success at the state level, finishing fourth place um, in the California state, uh, meet. So, you know, in working with Jason, we learned a lot about him after he came, you know, I only knew so much before he came here, but, um, what we try to do here is, is build expectation with these guys. And so we had the expectations that came with Willie, then with Kamani. And so with Jason, he was really feeding into that. He had these guys to push him and make him better and to raise his level of expectation. So, um, the answer to your question is this culture and, mm -hmm. and the, the junk culture that we work for here and create um, uh, is what I want to say, you know, you want to say that it's what makes a jumper special, but I'm talking about what makes Long Beach State special. Yeah. And, and it's the culture that we create and breed here with the expectations that we uh, set for ourselves. So Jason fit right into that and being a kind of a sports psych you know, major, um, he's taken his mental preparation to a level that, that, um, just isn't seen very often. And I've only coached two athletes in, in Long Beach state in my 34 years that have reached that level. The other one was a national champion. And that was Jason Hinken back yeah. in the nineties. Um, my other question along those lines is obviously, you know, COVID such a, a major disruption, but like, I know we covered so many high school kids in Long Beach where it was like, when the schools closed, it was really, I mean, it's so hard to train in your guys' sport because you, you need a facility, right? And so, you know, so for basketball, guys can do workouts in their driveway, like whatever else. Um, for football, same thing. You know, you, you get a weight set in your garage or something. You can't really, <laughs> you can't really do jumps workouts in your backyard, you know? So what did you see from him to get through that disruption and still be at, you know, I mean, arguably an even better level um, when he came back? Well, you're absolutely correct. I mean, our gates were closed. There was no access to our yeah. facility. Um, and it's not like you can just go out and run to practice as a long jumper or a high jumper. You've got to get on the pits. You've got to do some things. So, um, and us starting, not starting till February 15th last year, um, you know, really limited us. So, you know, I thought we managed last year pretty well. We did about as well as we could with the amount of time that we had. Um, but we also, the suddenness of coming back um, invited injury. And so we dealt with injury this last or the last year, and we're still kind of dealing with that a little bit this year. So, um, his experience, our time together, our specific, uh, focuses that we've worked on, he's mastered that pretty good. There isn't a whole lot I need to do with Jason to, to get him to do well. Um, it's really kind of more towards the conditioning and the things that we, we need to see him, you know, be strong enough uh, to do the work and, and 
again, we've managed it well. Um, I still think there's a lot more potential in this young man that we haven't mm. seen that we could get from a full year and a healthy year of training. Coach, the women's program won their second Big West Conference Championship just a few weeks ago. Yes. What was key? To, what was key to victory there to, to make program history yet again? I'm going to use a word that Andy Fee uses all the time: resilience. Um, we we had a lot of setbacks. Um, we went into this thing looking pretty good this year. We we recruited a good class. Uh, we had some solid returnees. Um, you know, in the women's sprint squad, we only had one young lady who didn't opt out last year. So they lost a year of training. Um, so coming back, it was a lot of building and and nurturing to get us to where we had to be. We needed leaders, um, but we had a lot of youth. And so uh, when it got towards the end and we had been kind of, you know, hitting our pace along the way of what we wanted to do, um, we got up to the starting line and, and then we had some hiccups. And so those hiccups, I thought were gonna be uh, our doom um, if we allowed it to happen. Um, my projections are usually pretty spot on and I didn't have his favor to win the conference meet, um, going into the final championship weekend. Um, and the young ladies were very resilient. They fought hard. Um, we, we ran out of the zone in the four by one. I'm like, ah, you know, here we go. And then we have a, a young lady have to pull out, um, who's number one in the conference in, in one event and number two in another and on part of the relays. And, and, you know, we thought that was going to be, you know, a big setback, a big hit for us. At the end of the day, um, the girls just piled it on. We saw amazing performances from the Riley Fix, uh, from our long jump squad that placed four girls in the top eight, our high jump squad that did some things, all the middle distance girls that got into that 800 final, um, you know, the sprinters that got in, the, the Jalen Perdiums, who were unexpected. She's a poly gal, unexpected to do anything and put in an event she hadn't really trained for. Um, came through big time for us. Natalie Talento stepped into the role of our number one 400 girl that couldn't run, and she wins the conference meet at a lean at the tape. I mean, the fight and the spirit that we had in this team uh, to get us to where we were at um, was, uh, was the best part about it. I mean, boy, you know, if you could just have a team perform like that, um, whether, whether the outcome's a winner or not, you know, that's something to always be proud of. And certainly, um, I was very happy to lift that trophy up uh, with Coach Sheffield at the end of the day and uh, celebrate that with them. So Jason Smith was named the men's field athlete of the uh, meet, that championship meet. And you mentioned her, Riley Fick, was named the women's athlete of the meet. So she won the 3,000-meter steeplechase, also the 800-meter. Talk to us a little bit about Riley and why she was able to be so successful. Well, first of all, let's, let's start off with a lot of people don't know. Riley Fick was a walk-on. Um, we met her on a spring break trip where she was just checking out and exploring schools. And we said, Hey, let's give her a shot on this team. Um, and she's come in and worked really hard has been the, um, you know, example that you look for of what hard work, you know, can translate into, um, obviously there's some talent in this young lady. And so, uh, she, she took on a tough double, you know, that steeple 800 double is not easy. Matter of fact, She's the only distance runner in the entire conference um, other than one male guy that was able to double. Um, most people who tried to double who were conference leaders going in weren't successful, uh, but Riley was uh, the only one to do that that was the conference leader. So, um, you know, she, she was patient. You know, um, it wasn't just about talent. It was about being patient and running um, a strategic race. So she gave up the conference meet record um, to go for the goal of winning that 800. 
And so um, she couldn't push it or she would exhaust herself having to come back. So she set herself up very well. And in that 800 race, uh, she laid off the pace and, and let the leader take a, take a 15 meter lead. And with about 50 meters left, that young lady had about a 10 meter lead and about five meters left, the young lady still had about an eight meter lead and Riley went by her right at the tape and got her. And, um, and that was just, you know, an example of the toughness of this group and the patience. Um, so that was pretty spectacular. The one thing that Riley told us before the meet, well before the meet is she said she wanted to be entered in the 5k as well. And that triple is really tough. Um, but she said, I want to help my team win. And, and that was her, her, you know, wish. So we put her in there, but then as the scores came in and we saw where our totals stood uh, in the middle of the 5k race, uh, I told coach Wingen, I said, we don't need to do this, pull her out, let's save her for NSA regionals. And, and so he says, okay, Riley, and he does the cut signal, go ahead, drop out. Riley comes back around another lap. Riley, you can cut it, drop out. Riley comes around <laughs> another lap, you know, and finally he was able to talk her, talk her out of doing it. So, you know, again, there's, there's some fight in this young lady, fierce uh, competitor, but man, um, I'm telling you, I'm just so proud of her for what she did. That's, well, that's uh, some Ford versus Ferrari stuff right there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, Coach, uh, last question for me, and uh, we certainly wish you and uh, and Jason good luck uh, going up to Eugene for the NCAA finals Wednesday and Saturday next week. Um, but your program, maybe more so than any other program on campus over the last, um, you know, five to 10 years, done a great job of recruiting locally. You know, you, you mentioned um, uh, Jalen, but you guys have have had every year, you know, half dozen to a dozen Long Beach kids from Long Beach high schools. Um, and I know I was just covering a signing day event at Poly, and you've got Robert Grow coming in, you and and Coach Sheffield and Coach Winget. I know that's been a big emphasis. Um, how how important do you think that is to the overall culture of the program? And um, and how have you guys been able to be so effective? Um, you know, where sometimes we might hear grumbling from other coaches, like, oh, the, you know, I don't know if the local kids want to come here or whatever. Like, how have you guys been able to kind of be the model for that? Well, I would like to say that, um, you know, our model is a completely successful one. Um, you know, the Jalen Perdiems, um, the others, the, the Millican athletes that we've had, God bless them all. I mean, they're all fantastic. The Wilson athletes like the Kamani Briggs. You know, yeah. Kamani went elsewhere. He went to another university and then came back to us. And, right. and uh, the, um, you know, Nick Armstrong's from the past, you know, from Polly went elsewhere and came back to us. And, and so a lot of those young men and women have been all Americans with us and, and done a great job. But, you know, Jalen's an example of someone who um, wasn't the high level um, blue chip recruit that you see coming out of these programs. And, uh, but yet here she is, you know, shining and, and being a great example of Long Beach talent, um, but also doing it here at home. And we've, we've tried for the better kids, you know, I would love to have had Rachel Glenn and some of the others that, you know, sure. yeah. other places, but, um, you know, it seems like our, our success has been with, um, you know, that next tier kid um, and those next tier kids are great. The, the second part is some of those better kids do come back. You know, they find right. out that it's not as ideal in the Midwest or in the East or wherever it may be for weather, or whatever. They uh, find out it's indoor track out there for a reason in the winter, right? You know, <laughs> right. But I would like to, I would like to think that, you know, um, you know, the hard work and the success that we've had, you know, is an example to them that it can be done here. Um, championships can be won. Kids can go to nationals. They can be all American coming out of Long Beach State. 
Um, but even my friends who coach at other universities will say it's really hard to recruit in your backyard. Yeah. And so, um, and they complain and they nag about it all the time. And, and I would say that, yes, we are successful. We do love to get the local kids. Um, we would always like to get that top talent coming out. And, you know, that's the challenge we still face and we'll keep working towards. Thank you so much for taking the time, Coach. We really appreciate it. Congrats again on all the success this season. Travel safe. Thank you. We'll go represent the beach very well at uh, NCAAs this year with Jason. Thank you. Love it. Thanks, Coach. And go beach. Again, thank you to Coach Scythe. Uh, great interview. He, he came ready. That's what you need at track and field, you know? If you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. It's his time of year. The, I, I said they're the last ones standing. I should have said they're the last ones jumping. So I apologize for that missed opportunity. <laughs> I, 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 I got you. I, I got you. Yeah, it's uh, that's what you want, right? You want to be peaking at the end of track season? He's trained well. As he's, writers he's well. or as coaches and athletes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get out of here, uh, one last time, we're going to do now for something completely different. Um, <laughs> it's summertime, right? Here we go. Favorite thing to do at the beach? Doesn't have to be like, you know, eating something or whatever, but like when you go to the beach, what's the one thing you're really excited to do? Andy, go first. Yeah, for me, although I, you know, I'm not one to just dive in all the way, but it's literally to get in the water. Even if I just wade in, just to feel the the wet sand beneath my feet, and uh, I don't know, just to feel that that ocean. I think there's there's nothing like it. I mean, you can be at a lake, and that that's wonderful, but um, to be at the ocean, to be at the beach, and for me, it's literally to get in the water. It just feels so good. Mike, how about you? Um. JJ, as you know, I'm a, a classic Long Beach resident in that I like being around the beach, but I do not enjoy being in the water in the beach, like in the slightest. It's too much sand for me. And so it's great that I'm from Long Beach, the only beach city in the world where you should not go in the water. Uh, so <laughs> it fits for me. I like running at the beach. I love going for a run at the beach. Um, the, the running trails here in the city uh, take advantage of the famous length of the beach that we have uh, in our city. And I also love, uh, we take the kids, you know, they like digging uh, holes and making castles and running around and, and uh, probably going deeper than they should and terrifying us. But, uh, but I, I, like, I like reading. Always been a big reader at the beach for sure. Mike says there's too much sand as if there were less sand there, he'd be down. <laughs> well, I love, I love swimming. I mean, I like, I swim at the pool like three or four times a week. I just like, it's just, I don't like having sand in my toes and my butt. <laughs> just give him, a, just give him a shovel. Just give him a shovel. He's going to take some of the sand out and he's going to be good. That's right. He's going to be ready to go. <laughs> I agree. There's nothing like leaving the beach, which is the worst. That's that right. That's water, my problem. So. Yes. That's my problem. I, I, I got two quick things. One, <laughs> you would be shocked at how many people leave their shoes down at the beach. Like one shoe just ran like who who came to the beach with two shoes leaves with one shoe and it's just like this is regular for me so I started taking pictures and I think I'm gonna do like a Kramer style coffee table book of shoes That's left great. at the beach yeah abandoned That's a good, I'm gonna, the, the, the modern I'm gonna call it, that is a, a niche Instagram account JJ you need a niche Instagram account for that shoes at the beach I'm gonna I'm gonna call it Lost Souls and you can guess how it's gonna be spelled. <laughs> Uh, my, my favorite thing to do at the beach actually is go out on our little uh, boat. It's like a dinghy. We fit like four or five people in there. We've got an electric motor. So we just charge the diesel battery up, keep that carbon footprint low, 
stroll around the uh, the Naples uh, canals. Feel like we're in Venice. That's my favorite part. I'm I cannot wait to be on the bay this summer. So excited. Hey, right. do, you, do you remember when we signed our, our contract with the press telegram and we got a little signing bonus back in the day and we were like, we're going to buy a Duffy boat. And then we started looking into how much it costs to keep a full-size boat. And we were like, oh, we're not going to do that, but we're going to rent one frequently. <laughs> and and then that's I got the dinghy, bro. It's, <laughs> honestly, it's the best. It is really the best because it's inflatable, right? So you just put it in the back of your car, just roll in, roll out. It's perfect. Uh, yeah, so thank you to producer Roger for all his work that helping us get the great guests that we were able to get. Honestly, I am always so impressed by these student athletes when they come on the show. They're composed. They have great answers. It's just really great. And I know that takes a lot of work. So thank you to producer Roger. Thank you, Andy. Thank you, LB Nation. Have a great summer. Maybe we'll see you at the beach.